Hi, I'm Reggie Hearn, and this is my playbook. Hey everyone, welcome into the Mental Game. Sam Brief here in Chicago with a special series called My Playbook, in which some of the world's top athletes, coaches, and competitors take you through their playbook, how they dealt with certain mental health issues, and what they do now, strategies to cope, and everything in between. I'm going to learn a lot, I'm excited, and I know you will too, and I am honored to bring in for the first edition of my playbook, Reggie Hearn for his third appearance on the Mental Game Podcast. Reggie, it's so great to have you on. I'm back. <laughs> Good to be back. <laughs> Good to be back, man. I appreciate you having me on and, and what you're doing, hearing about this playbook thing. I think it's great. Um, I think we talked about it before, but the awareness of mental health, I think, is on the rise. And something to be taken seriously, something to combat. So I fully support and appreciate what you're doing. Ari. Thank you, Reggie. And it takes two to tango. I appreciate people like you because it takes people who are in the limelight, who have made it to high levels of high organizations like the NBA to come forward and help others like me and like you at home, the listeners. With the playbook in mind, I want to dive into your playbook, travel back to the winter of 2018. You were a young basketball player getting set to make your NBA debut, the pinnacle of your basketball life. But at the same time, I know it was a dark time for you. You were dealing with a pretty severe mental health crisis. So take me to that winter and tell us what you were experiencing. It was January 15th, 2018. Got the, the call up to the Detroit Pistons. I was now going to be a two-way player. I was now going to make my dream happen of playing in the NBA, something I'd been talking about for a while. And all the while, I was really uh, struggling with my mental health. I was pretty having pretty severe anxiety, um, panic attacks now and then. Um, and it all kind of came to a head um, in about the middle of February. So about a month after I joined Detroit, um, I had... Well, make a long story short, I just had an episode where I had very, very uh, severe anxiety. Um, didn't really know exactly what I was doing. I felt like I didn't have control of my body. I picked up a knife uh, alone in my apartment and was kind of poking myself with it. Didn't I didn't, you know, I didn't pierce skin. I didn't actually hurt myself, but the overwhelming lack of control that I felt. I'm just like watching myself doing things and um, you know, I reached out for help. Long story short, ended up going to the hospital um, and then being there for about six days. Um, and while when I first got to the hospital, got diagnosed with a, uh, not just panic disorder, but uh, like an actual psychotic break episode. Um, so obviously that derailed uh, my time playing with the with the Pistons made it very difficult to do my job and perform at the level that I wanted to. So um, very sad, very tough, um, but you know, kind of a, a rock bottom moment that really helped me uh, start picking myself back up again. Thank you for sharing, Reggie. And it strikes me that the most crucial part of that story is the moment in which after you picked up the knife, you reached out for help. Take me to that. This kind of takes me to my first point in terms of my playbook. Um, I had gotten used to kind of doing things on my own, you know, like 
this is, you know, if I have the five problems, you know, I, I do it alone or because I've always been a spiritual guy, I take it to God and it's just me in prayer with God and no one else and me and God will figure it out. I get to this point where I don't even feel like I have control of myself and I'm picking up a knife and I've been having not suicidal thoughts, but thoughts like kill yourself, kill yourself, like weird thoughts, a lot of emotions swirling, not in control of myself. And it was like the moment of picking up the knife scared me enough to like really tell somebody. Um, and I remember calling my mom and telling her, and I just told her I was scared. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how else to describe it except to say I watched myself pick up a knife and like, what am I going to do with this? Um, feeling very out of control. And so the fear of that fear, you know, really, I think led me to take the first step, which I think is, I don't think, I don't think it's negotiable for anybody like struggling with mental health is you cannot do it alone. That, that wasn't how things are designed. Um, we as humans need each other. So getting help, um, you know, I picked up the phone, called my mom. She called my dad. Uh, we talked to somebody that night in my church. I was in Grand Rapids, Michigan, you know, playing with the Grand Rapids drive at the time. That guy from church came over, drove me to the hospital. So within the span of half hour, hour, we had three people helping me. I had community. I just had to access it. Community is so important always, but even more so when you're struggling. How did your mind feel before you had that community, when it was Reggie alone in apartment with knife, and after when you're with mom, dad, and friends from church. What actually pushed me to get to really lean into getting help uh, was my mom. Um, if you flash forward through the night, um, the guy from church had to drive me to the hospital in Detroit, and when I got to the hospital, I wouldn't go in. I had become convinced in my mind that. Uh, you know, if I went in, God would punish me because I had to do this on my own. I can't have medicine or anything like that. I can't take advice from people because they're going to lead me down the wrong path. All sorts of just crazy thoughts swirling in my head. And, and to get really deep and vulnerable, I was outside the hospital, curled up in the fetal position. Um, I can't remember if I was actually crying, but I was very, very scared. Um, and I remember the look on my mom's face. She looks me in the eyes and I can see, I can see the love of a mother who was so hurt by seeing her son in this condition that she was really begging me to go into the hospital. Um, and I remember something clicking at that moment. Like, like I know how much my mom loves me and how much she sacrificed for me. She can't be wrong about me going into the hospital i'm not going to be punished if i do this you know um and so it was that moment that i think really helped me and was like it gave me the amount of courage that i needed in that moment to do what needed to be done which is to submit to getting help which meant really relinquishing control i'm not gonna run this narrative anymore because clearly it's gotten me to this point where i'm just shell of myself. Thank you for taking me to that moment. I know that's probably difficult to relive. And sometimes that's what it takes is seeing the look in someone else's eyes where you sort of say, oh, crap, 
I need to take this seriously. I need to do something about this. And for you, it was walking into the hospital. For others, they might not see that person, but sometimes you have to envision it. How would my mom react? How would my partner react? How would my friend react if they saw me like this? And the answer is always going to be to get help. Now, Reggie, once you did get help, you started going to therapy, and you really rehabbed your mind. I'm curious what some of your biggest takeaways were in developing your own mental health playbook. The second step, I think, was having to submit and and trust to other people in general, like the therapists and even just other people in my life and what they had to say, because for so long, I thought the ways that I was thinking uh, were right. And sometimes that meant trusting them over myself. And so, you know, for others out there, I think that has to be a part of your playbook is a simultaneous trust of others and leaning on them and not always trusting your thoughts and feelings, because I think a lot of us are our own worst critics and can unknowingly perpetuate some of our own mental health struggles. So important. Trust in others. It's hard, but for you in hindsight, you're speaking from experience and telling me that helped to rehab your life. And and Reggie, now as we flash forward, you're doing some amazing things. I mean, you're married, you have a beautiful one-year-old baby girl, you're about to enter your second season in the San Antonio Spurs scouting department. Rumor has it that you scouted Victor Wembenyamba, so <laughs> congratulations on that. As we look at your life, what's the playbook now? My therapist actually gave me a, um, an acronym, STOP, and the S is STOP, the T is take a breath, uh, the O is observe, the P is pray, and the second P is proceed. So I try to remember that, I don't always do it, but um, I've noticed at times recently, sometimes I have to do that. I have to stop and literally take a breath because sometimes I can notice, oh, my breathing is like not normal, not rhythmic. And that probably indicates some anxiety. Okay, let's, let me take a few breaths, just a few deep breaths because breathing calms the body. It's not just your mind that, that, that can go off the rails. Your body stores this trauma. It stores this anxiety reaction. So sometimes it's your body that just feels anxious. Um, so stop, take a breath. The O is observe. And <clears throat> that's the thing is I think sometimes we identify with, with our feelings or with our thoughts and we say, this is me. This thought is me. This feeling is me. I am anxious. And I think it's helpful to word it. No, I'm experiencing anxiety. I am not anxious. I am not an anxious person. I'm just experiencing it. So I can observe, oh, I feel anxious. Oh, I feel angry. Oh, I feel um, sad. So it's the observation. Then the P for me, because as you and I have talked about, I'm a uh, man of faith. Uh, I try to walk with, with God every day, Jesus Christ. Um, I pray. I talk to God about it. Um, and then from there, I proceed. So that's kind of a day-by-day little acronym that I go through. Um, and then from there, especially if I notice it lingering, um, you know, something that's bothering me is lingering, you know, maybe longer than 24 hours. I got to talk to people about it. I immediately bring in that community. Um, because what I used to do is take it just to God. And it's just me and God. So 
again, I do the little stop acronym. I do the things I know I can do within myself, but almost all the time, then I'm going to be talking to people about it. Even if it's not my therapist, I have people in my church, I have my wife, I have, you know, best friends, mentors. I got to bring some people in. Anyway, that was long, but that's kind of how things go for me now. It's long, but it's beautiful and helpful. And I really doubt that if we go back to the winter of 2018, your playbook was that long. <laughs> no, no, it was not. Reggie, I love what you said specifically about separating your thoughts from who you are. Mm -hmm. I had a moment the other day where a certain circumstance led me to thinking I was a failure. Mm. And I kept saying that to myself, like, I'm a failure, I'm a failure, I'm a failure. I was getting in a thought loop, I started having anxiety, and I had a panic attack. Just went, froze up, heart beating, palm sweating, all that. Part of my playbook is very similar to yours. It's, okay, I got to separate myself from this thought. Like, I'm thinking this. That's not mm -hmm. the reality. No right. one else thinks that, I think. <laughs> right. So I need to just say, okay, I am not a failure. I feel sad right now. I feel angry at something. I feel a little lost right now. I think it was the O of your STOP acronym that is really what I connect with the most. There's a lot that goes into our mind every day, and it doesn't mean it's all true, <laughs> you know, um, and our moods fluctuate and our moods influence our thoughts. So, I mean, when I was a player, I could go from thinking I could be an NBA all-star to thinking I don't belong ever on a court, NBA court ever again. <laughs> so which one is true? Maybe neither. And so it's probably somewhere in between, but I mean, it, taking a random thought on any, any given day and giving it power and saying that it's true, we can't do that. Thoughts and feelings come and go, and we have to, you know, be able to sift through them to to find the, the, the truth. It's almost always somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. So valuable. Think of the bell curve, right? Those extremes... NBA all-star, complete failure, super rich billionaire, poor homeless on the street. It's almost always you're going to end up somewhere in the middle. So whatever you're dealing with, whether it's a sports career or your financial situation or a health situation, you're probably going to end up somewhere in the middle and find a way to be content with that. So trust yourself. Reggie, I've learned so much from your playbook and look forward to learning more as we stay in touch. So thank you for sharing. I'm sure you've made an impact on a lot of people listening. Reggie Hearn, Reggie's Playbook. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sam.